0: God is good. It's good to see you all out here tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, Tori and Sterling's good to have you all. They're constantly traveling with being professional rodeo life, and it's so it's so, so good to have you here uh, tonight. Amen. Thank you, Father. God is good. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 8, and we're just going to continue on our series, I Have Decided. And uh, visiting here on a Wednesday night and watching by way of internet, Wednesday night is kind of like Bible school. We just take a topic and just break it down over, uh, over uh, weeks and months. And, and so, this, I believe, is our fourth week. Last week we had Captain Rex here, so we missed out. So, I'm going to do a little bit of a review to catch us up to, um, to speed with where we're at in this. Because I believe it's so important. The Word is so vital to your life. The, the, the Word, let me say to the Word is so vital to our lives. And I said, your life. No, it's our lives. This, this is vital. You know the word says that, that health and life are in it. Yes. To, and it's all, to all our, our flesh, meaning to every aspect of your life. This word has the ability to bring life to it. Whatever you're facing right now, whatever you're going through right now, there's a word for you in it. There's a word in it for you. There, there is, the, the Lord wants to make, the Holy Spirit wants to take the word of God and make this a living word to you. A word that will sustain you, a word that will give you direction, a word that will give you life, a word that will give you strength. This word is so vital to your life. And there's so much in this. I love how the word is inexha- inexhaustible and, it, and it, it has the ability. You, I can read a scripture over and over, I can, th- you know, declare, show me your glory and and different things. And the Lord will sh- always show me new. Once I, I feel like I've gotten to the end of something, man, the more and more I, I, I hear something, you know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Never, never get tired of the word. Never get tired of the word. Let me say it again. Never get tired of the word. Because I'm telling you, when you, when you, when we get tired of the word, to me, in my life, if there's something in my life, because, you know, even a pastor, I can get busy, I can get, you know, get so into doing all these other things that I don't have my own time to, to, to do what I need to do in the Word. And if, and so when that happens and I'm feeling like I, I don't have time for the Word, then I have to like kind of sit myself down and saying, okay, something, something's not right in here. If I don't want to hear the Word, then I, then something's not right in here. If I don't wanna if I don't wanna be at church, then something's not right in here. You're like, you're the pastor, you gotta be at church. <laughs> so the word is, is vital to our lives. And and here in John chapter eight, so in verse thirty one, it says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed. So these are he he's saying this to the Jews that believed, right? What did they do? Believe. They believed. If you continue in my word, then you are, then you're my, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So he, he talked to the Jews that believed and he tells them, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And this is something we've established over the over the weeks with this is that just because you believe doesn't mean you're a disciple. Amen. See, he said to those that believe if you continue in my word. So just because you believe, just because you made Jesus the Lord, of your life doesn't mean you're a disciple. Being a disciple isn't found in believing. Being a disciple is found in Continuing. And when you continue in the word, it says the truth will set you free. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So this lets me know that truth. If I continue in the word, this truth is transformative. Meaning if I continue in this, if I'm a disciple, then ultimately you're going to see some things in my life that have been transformed. You know, I, I got born again in 1993 And you know what? My life has been transformed since that time. If you knew Justin in 1993 to Justin in 2018, you'd see two different people. Totally different, totally different attitudes, totally different way of thinking, totally different way of living. Why? Because I chose to become a disciple. And a lot of times when people come to Jesus, they accept Jesus. They bring Jesus into their life, but have they allowed that relationship to transform them? So that's why there's a difference between being a believer and being a disciple. So, So what is a disciple? A disciple is a learner, a follower. They're not just a pupil, but they're an adherent to something. So what's an adherent? Someone who supports a a party, a person, or a set of ideas. So discipleship is about being developed. And how about we all need to be, I need to be developed. How about you? So what does a disciple look like? Let's go to Luke chapter 5. And I'm just doing a a review. Luke chapter 5. Verse 10 says, And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth you shall catch men. And when they had brought their ship to land, they forsook all and followed him. Say it with me, they forsook all and followed him. You see, this is this is where I believe being a disciple is transformative, because see, the that day they went fishing. This was their life. This was their business. The day before that they went fishing. The day before that they went fishing. The day before that they went fishing. What did they do the day before that? Fished. But all of a sudden when Jesus said, Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, it said what? They left all, they forsook all and followed him. So, what does a disciple look like? Disciple, what a disciple looks like, they're ones that have made a greater commitment and have a greater submission. It's not, it's not just, okay, I wanna, I, I, I I want Jesus as just a part of my life. No, I wanna go all the way with Jesus. I, I wanna go all the way with Jesus. And we see the Apostle Paul talking about this in his own life as well, instructing Timothy. He, he, he said about his own life, he talked about that we, you know, talking about running in a race. And he goes, we run, you know, we, we run for a, a crown that fades away and perishes, you know, the natural. They, they, they run in a race for a, for one that withers, but, but we run a race that's, that for a crown that doesn't perish. And what does they say? He goes, I buffet my body. I, I put it down. So he compared his life with that of an Olympic athlete, you know, and you know what? Olympic athletes. They don't. They, they, there's a there's a there's a greater commitment that they have. Amen. Someone that's running a race and someone that's a professional. You know, we have the World Cup going on right now. Those those soccer players, they, they've been they're athletes, and it's something they've done as a child. But you know what? They never stop training. Yeah. They're always training, always training. And so what? Because there's a greater commitment. If you wanna if you want to you want to succeed on another level, you've got to have a commitment on another level. And, and it's not just it's not just coming to church. It's not just those things are good things, and those are part of discipleship. But it's not just it's not just doing your duty, so to speak. And then he tells Timothy he talks about being a well trained soldier. Talk about being a well trained soldier. So so here with being an Olympic athlete or being a soldier, soldiers in the military there's a greater commitment. They've had to go through greater training. There's things that soldiers and athletes. You know, they, there's things that, that we can do that they can't do. There's things that, 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 that they can't eat. You know, an athlete, they, they can't eat. You know, they, they're not going to eat what you, you and I might eat. They're going to eat differently. They're going to live differently. They're going to walk differently. Uh, soldiers, they're going to live totally different than, than we live, right? So, so what is a disciple? Is someone that makes a greater commitment. So why do we follow? We talked about what is a disciple? What does it look like? So why do we follow? Go to Luke chapter 6, Luke 6, verse 39. So why discipleship? Why do we become disciples? Why do we allow it to change our priorities? And that's really what I I believe a disciple is about. It's about a change of priorities. An athlete is a change of priorities. A, A soldier it's a change of priorities. And I believe if you want to go to another level in your life, the first thing is making commitment. You're going to change your priorities. What was a priority last year is not going to be a priority this year. Right. Verse 39 says, and he spoke a parable to them. It says, can the blind lead the blind and shall they not both fall into the ditch? Verse 40, the disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Let me read the Amplified. It It says, a pupil is not superior to his teacher, but everyone, when he is completely trained, readjusted, restored, set to rights and perfected, will be like his teacher. Now, Now, get this. Understand this. He's saying a pupil is not greater than his teacher, but everyone, when they're completely trained. See, that's what a disciple is about, being developed, being trained. And it says when you are trained by your teacher, when you're trained by your master, the goal is that you'll be like your teacher. So when we talk about following Christ, following the Lord, it's it's not just to say we believe in Jesus, but it's to become like him. The goal of being a disciple is about being like Jesus. So when we say... I have decided to so say, you know what? I'm making a greater commitment. I've got different priorities. Why? Because I want to be like him. Yeah. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. I know that some of these are the scriptures we've um, just reviewing on. First Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 John 4. First John four, verse 17 it says, herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. It didn't say when we get to heaven. Amen. It says, so are we in this world. So when we talk about being a disciple. It's just it, the, the whole aspect is this is this is God's desire for he, you and I. This this is what, why he sent Jesus. It wasn't just so we could go to heaven one day, although I'm grateful for that, but this was so we could become like Jesus. As he is, so are we in this world. Meaning meaning you, you can be like him right now. You can walk like Jesus right now. You can talk like Jesus right now. You can be like him right now. And this is his desire. And that's why I believe the church needs to go to another level in in our walk and and, in our priorities is because the church needs to look like Jesus. You you and I need to look and walk and talk and act and be like Jesus. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3. Throwing a lot of scriptures at you tonight, okay? 1 John chapter 3 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. That we should be called the sons of God. Now, do you believe God loves you? Yes. Everyone raise your hand if you believe God loves you. Man, think, think about how much God loves you. And it says, Because of that love, he, is, he has called you sons of God. He's called us sons of God. Therefore, the world knows us not because it didn't know him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now we are the sons of God. Not, not when you get to heaven, not, not, not some down in the future, not when you've earned it, not when you're, you're a good enough Christian. No, now you are a son of God. Right now. Right now you're a son of God. Well, Pastor, you don't know what I did yesterday. Now you're a son of God. Now you're a son of God. Hallelujah. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. We shall be like him. So, so here throughout the word and throughout the New Testament, we constantly see this pointing to being like him, being like him. So being a disciple is not just I believe in Jesus, but it's allowing that revelation of who Jesus is to reshape your entire life. To reshape your entire identity. To reshape everything about you. Okay, hold your place in 1 John and let's go to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I don't want to stay too long on some things, but I also don't want to rush either, so. 2 Corinthians 5, let's look at verse... Thank you, Father. Verse 14. Now keep that thought, now are we the sons of God. Hallelujah. Verse 14 says, For the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us, because we are the opinion and the conviction that if one died for all, then all died. For the love of Christ restrains us. You say the love of Christ holds us steady. Now, in 1 John, we see where this love was bestowed upon us for what? To be called sons of God, right? Now here, this love constrains us or this love that's been given us is is keeping us in position. It's, it's, It's constraining, it's controlling us. Verse 15, and he died for all so that all who live might live no longer to and for themselves, but to and for him who died and was raised again for their sake. So when I made Jesus the Lord of my life, it says, "No longer do I live for myself." See that, that's a that's a big thing when it comes to discipleship. As a believer, it, it's, it's it's not just believing in Christ, but after I believed, it's right. Man, I got to make a decision that no longer do I live according to myself. And see, a lot of times people will accept Jesus and all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden never mature beyond that because they don't realize they needed to stop living for themselves. And that's what discipleship is all about, is about being transformed to be like him. You know what Jesus said? Let the, it says in Paul, Paul said about Jesus, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But, but took on the form of a servant and took on the form of a servant. So we need to have that same attitude, right? Meaning, meaning he got to a place where his life wasn't about him. So when you realize to be a disciple, you have to understand my life isn't about me. Those are, that's another message. So says, but to and for him who died and was raised again for their sake. Consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a human point of view. In items of natural standards of value, no. You know, even though we once did estimate Christ from a human viewpoint as, as a man, yet now we have such knowledge of Him that we know Him no longer in terms of the flesh. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, he is a new creation. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. But all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to Himself, he received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. By, that by word and deed, we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. It was God, personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. Not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them. And commuting to us, committing to us the message of reconciliation. A restoration. Now get this, verse 20. Now then, are we ambassadors for Christ? We are His representatives. You know, an ambassador for like the United States will go to another country. And what do they do? They are just like that country. They, they are representing that person just like that person were. So when we're an ambassador of Christ, you are the same as. Ambassador is being the same as. So now you're the same as. So now you're ambassador for Christ. Now you're going out just like Christ went out. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ that, that you be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now let's go back to First, first John. Now, why, why did I read all that? I want you to see this and just taking my time with this because... So often, we look at our own personal lives and we see our faults. And we see our individual mistakes. We see how we, maybe we've let people down. Maybe how we let our children down. How we may let church down or how we let, may let God down. And we constantly view ourselves after that. You see, Paul, Paul was saying here, he goes, he goes, no longer do we view men after the flesh, after a human point of view. So let me ask you a question. Why are, do you constantly judge yourself on a standard that you're no longer like? Think about that for a moment. Why? Because we don't truly see ourselves for who we are. And who Christ has made us to be. So therefore, that's what constantly calls is to me, I I call the, the cycle of sin. Because you're so trying to be righteous that you don't realize you're already righteous. You're so much trying to be a son and a daughter of God. That you continue to mess up because you judge yourself based on your works instead of his works. Now, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a grace teacher that teaches that once you accept Jesus, you can live any way you want to live and grace covers it. That's not, that's not what I teach. Because, because I believe that, that, that there is a process that we continue to have to walk out. There's, there's the righteousness that you receive by faith and there is the fruits of righteousness that we walk out out of the revelation of that righteousness. I don't have time to talk on that tonight. But I wanted you to see this and get that point tonight is that we constantly judge ourselves based on our human insufficiencies, our weaknesses, instead of who we really are. You see, he said, now are we ambassadors of Christ. He said, now are we sons of God. See, this, this, is, this is all about discipleship. So, so we have to look at what standard are we looking at in our lives? Are we looking at ourselves as the standard? Or are we looking at Christ as the standard? When, I, see, I became righteous the moment I made Jesus the Lord of my life. So that, that lets me know that, you know what, I'm righteous right now. So we, when are you righteous? Right now. If you made Jesus the Lord, if you haven't, hey, we can get that settled right now. When are you a son of God? Right now. Right now, you're a son, right now you're righteous. Here in this world, be like him in this world. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, help me. <laughs> I haven't taught along these lines necessarily before, so now think think about this. Let's go to First John, First John two. So we were in four. And we were in three, and now we're in two. Because really, he explains this throughout. And I don't have time to break down every chapter in this, but but really everything stems off, I believe, this comment that I'm about to read on why he shares other things throughout this chapter. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that says, I know him and keeps not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Verse 5. But whoso keeps his word. Now, before I go any further, remember if you continue in my word, what? You'll be my disciple indeed, and you'll know the truth, and what the truth will make you free. So that's John chapter 8, right? So who's writing here? John. So here he tells us, he goes, and whoso keeps his word. Keeps his word. You could say keeping something would continue in it, right? So whoso continues in the word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. So when when you continue in the word, you'll realize that your life is in him now. Now let's look at verse six. He that says he abides in him, ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Now get that. He that says he abides in him. So it says if I continue in him, it says the love of God is perfected and hereby we know that we are in him. So if I continue in the word, I'm gonna realize that I'm in him. I abide in him. Now the next verse says, he that says he abides in him. So if I'm abiding in him, and now it tells me ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Now get this. Not only am I a son, and not only am I righteous because of him, but realize I can walk like him see see people have that, that mentality of well, you know, I can never be as good as Jesus. why why can't you be as good as Jesus? Who said you can 't be like Jesus? Who said you couldn't pray like Jesus? Who said you couldn't preach like Jesus? Who said you couldn't get revelation like Jesus? Who said you couldn't heal like Jesus? Well, well, pastor, you know what? Well, you see, I'm just a man. Well, that's not what we just read. You're a son. And, and we read that you're Righteous. Well, you know, well, you see, I'm just a man, I, you know, my flesh is weak and, you know, I'm just, you know, you know, you know me. Um, no, no, are you a son of God? Are you not a son of God? Are, are you the righteous of God? Are you not a righteousness of God? See, that's what we have to understand is, is we allow for failure. We allow for per, per, personal weaknesses. Well, you know, you know, well, it's, a, you know, everyone sins a little bit. Did Jesus? Well, are you saying that I could be like? Yes, I am. Yes. See, because we've allowed ourselves to think that we it's okay to be less than Jesus. Amen. Because after all, I'm just flesh, Justin. I'm just I'm just flesh, Pastor Justin. So but then, so I guess what Paul said doesn't matter. He said, "No longer judge someone after the flesh." Right. See, we like to make these excuses for us to okay with personal failure. Now, I'm not saying this, I, 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 th- th- I do not want to bring condemnation on anyone because all of us are what growing in this, right? We are, we are following Jesus and it says I can walk, it says walk as he walked, right? So that means if he walked that way and he said if I'm abiding in him, I can walk the same way. I, you know what, I, I, I don't want to let Justin off the hook anymore, And use the excuse, well, you know, it's just, I'm just a man. I I don't want to use excuses to keep me the way I've always been. I I don't want to, I don't want to make room for excuses. Well, you know this or you know that. No, I want to be what God says I am. And I want to be like him. He said I could be. He said I could walk like him. I, just, I just, just see, just getting, putting a vision inside our hearts, like, wow, I can be like Jesus. He told his disciples, he, he said, go to Jerusalem. He said, you, 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 can't, you can't do everything I've called you to do yet. Why? Because, because you need to be empowered. You need to be clothed with power from on high. So he had already given them the word. They already had the word. But he said, wait a minute. They already had the command. But now it's like, okay, no, you need to go get empowered with something. And what did Jesus say? He Jesus said, he said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you someone, what, just like myself. He goes, it's expedient that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit can't come. And you need this holy Spirit Amen. so realize realize when he sent the disciples, he gave them everything and every opportunity to do what he did Amen. and realize man you and I are sons of God <coughs> we are righteous he has to be our standard i don't want to settle for i don't want to settle for being Well, partly like Justin and a little like Jesus. I want to be like him. And I believe through the word. And and please hear me. This isn't about your works. This isn't about how many scriptures you can quote. This is not about how, how many times you fast and pray. It's not about your works and earning a position to be like Christ. No, it's just allowing that relationship to Christ to grow and blossom and become everything He's created you to be. Thank you, Father. Good Isaiah. Let's see, chapter sixty-two. Isaiah sixty-two. Holy Spirit, help me. Thank you, Father. Hmm. Isaiah 62, verse 1. We were talking about righteousness. I'm going to read this in the Amplified. So just just listen or look on the screen and just, just receive these words. It says, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until her imputed righteousness and vindication Go forth as brightness and her salvation radiates as does a burning torch. Wow. There's a lot in the scripture. This is for Zion's sake. Who in the Old Testament, who does Zion represent? The church. So he's talking to the church here and he's saying, you say, for the church's sake, will I not hold my peace? And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest Until her imputed righteousness and vindication goes forth as brightness. Meaning, I hear Isaiah prophesying here. And I hear saying, he goes, I I hear, he said, I want the church to get a revelation of who they are. And I'm not going to shut up. And I'm not going to be quiet until the church understands what they're about. I'm not going to hold my peace until they know their imputed righteousness. Until their vindication of salvation, it says, Go forth as brightness, meaning, meaning you're going to see this. Meaning, when the church understands who they are, it's something that's going to radiate from the church. It's something that's going to radiate from his people. That's something that's going to radiate from his kingdom. Verse 2 says, And the nations shall see your righteousness and vindication. Your righteousness and justice, not your own, but his ascribed to you. I love how they Amplified that. It's not your righteousness. It's what he's given to you. See, it's not about being righteous in yourself. It's about his righteousness. Your righteousness, as the word says, is filthy rags. But I'm not talking about your personal righteousness. I'm talking about his and his righteousness is flawless. He goes, and all kings shall behold your salvation in glory. And you shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. So not only will you have this righteousness and this 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 thing will radiate from you, but this the salvation and glory is going to be seen on you and you're going to be given a new name. You shall also be so beautiful and prosperous as to be thought of as a crown of glory and honor in the hand of the Lord. (laughs) Man, get a, picture, get a picture of this, that you are so beautiful and prosperous. Amen. As to be thought of as a crown of glory and honor in the hand of the Lord. Man, see, this righteousness, when you understand who you are, you are like a crown of glory in his hand. Hmm. I love this. In the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem, exceedingly beautiful in the hand of your God. You, Judah, shall no more be termed forsaken, nor shall your land be called desolate anymore, but you shall be called uh, Hesphabah. <laughs> That's easy for me to say. Hesphabah. My delight is in her, and your land will be called Beulah, married, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married, owned, protected by the Lord. Amen. Now let's go to verse 10. Go through, go through the gates prepare the way for the people, cast up, cast up a highway, gather out the stones, lift up a standard or an ensign over and for the people." So so what what is it saying here saying this is what I'm declaring that this righteousness is going to be established that you're going to be beautiful and prosperous and be like a crown of glory in God's hand but he tells them I want you to go through the gates meaning I want you to declare something I want you to speak something I want you to shout something I want you to cast up a highway he says gather out the stones and lift up a standard or an ensign for the people Meaning in order for them to walk in what I'm to walk in, there has to be something that's lifted up yeah. a standard what a standard a, a ensign here it uses that word an ensign would be a flag it would be like a coat of arms it's, it's something that signify signifies something. If you, you, you know, if you have a coat of arms in Great Britain, you know, we, we had the the, the the wedding this year and they had the, you know, they had for Megan and, and uh, whatever his name was, <laughs> Harry, that's it. <laughs> I was drawing a blank. You know, they had their own, they had their own coat of arms made. And, and, and so it was something specific for them you know, and, you know, I was trying to understand they had, it was like a bird that sung and all, cause she's a great communicator. And so everything in this symbol recognized certain things It had these things because it represented California. It had this color because it represented that it had, had these signs and this animal because of that. And so, so when you had a a coat of arms, it was a signia, it was a seal, it was a banner. So, so anyone that saw that banner it represented who that person was, not just where they were from, but it had everything about what they stood for. So when it when it's uses this word, lift up a standard, what is it saying? It's saying, look at that standard because that's what you want to be like. Look at, lift, look at that standard because, because that's what, if you follow this standard or this end sign, you follow this, this is what you're going to become. So it's saying, saying you want to be righteous, then, fo- then, li- then follow the standard. Follow the, walk as he Walk. This the standard they're talking about is Jesus. He's, he's prophesying about the Messiah. And he was saying, lift this standard up and look at this standard because it's going to create a highway for everyone to become like this righteousness that I'm talking about. Look at this standard. What it represents. What's it about? What they do, how they live, how they act, their purpose, everything. Is found in that standard. So becoming a disciple is saying, you know what? I'm going to follow a new standard. I'm going to follow a new standard. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Hallelujah. Let's not buy into the lie that we're just men, but let's look at the standard. Let's look at the standard. And, and I really believe that, that people have gotten their eyes off the standard and have created their own standards. You've heard me say this a lot of times. It's like, you know, you have people in the world today, um, Christians in the world, in, 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 a, in a, the postmodern Christianity, where it's like they want to take the word and, okay, well, let me, let, me, let me take my life and I'll shape the word to it instead of let me shape my life to the word. And I haven't, I haven't gone in and read it, so I don't want to criticize or say the name, you know, the name of this person. And I, I read a little bit about it, but he was talking about in a postmodern culture in a society that, you know, um, because the Bible says so is no longer fit for our culture because, because they don't want to hear that. And it's, well, because it really wasn't written. In, and I'm like, I'm not going to say the minister's name. He's one of the greatest communicators in America as it pertains to Christianity but I'm like, I'm like, because they don't understand it. That means we back off from it. Maybe that's just a better way. We need to communicate it. And so anyway, it's I don't have time to stay there. But um, Deuteronomy, I better I better get to Deuteronomy 12, before I get myself in trouble, um, I can dig myself a hole with that. Um, Deuteronomy 12. Hallelujah. Where is Deuteronomy 12? There it is. Deuteronomy 12, verse eight. Was that? I'm sorry. Deuteronomy 12, verse 8. <laughs> Deuteronomy 12, verse 8. Can I rewind and just start over here? Um, it says, "You shall not do. You shall not do after all the things that we do here this day. Every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes." Amplified says, you shall not do according to all that we do here in the camp this day. Every man doing whatever looks right in his own eyes. So I brought out Isaiah because I want you to see that we follow after the standard walk as he walked. But yet here it says that we shouldn't do what's right in our own eyes. Meaning, Meaning you and I are not the ones that create the standard we follow. The moment I made Jesus the Lord of my life. Is the moment that I stopped having my own standard. You know, I, I I lost my right to an opinion when I made Jesus the Lord of my life. You know, my opinion has to be based on this. And, and it's not well. I, I don't really think He meant that. No, the, I I don't have that right. Thank you, Father. Go to Judges chapter twenty-one. Judges twenty-one. Someone slow the clock down. Judges 21. Thank you, Father. Verse 25, the last verse, and I want you to see this. It says In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. There was no king in Israel. And every man did what was right in his own eyes. You see, see what would the king represent? The king is who made the decrees. The king, the king, was the example. In those days, the king was was the leader of the army, and he was also the leader of the. He he was the leader of the standard on how to live. That, that's that's what the, that's that's how it was established. Meaning, meaning this king is who's going to set the standard. And it said because they didn't have a king, they made up their own standard. They did what was right in their own eyes. And you see, so, so when we talk about becoming a disciple, we have to realize that we have a king. Amen. And his name is Jesus. Amen. So we have a standard that we seek after. There's a standard that we look to. There's a standard that we model our lives after. We have a standard. Thank you, Father. We have a standard. His name is Jesus. Now go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. So we have a standard. Becoming a disciple is about following a standard. Now our standard, me, his name Jesus, when he told us to do what? Continue in the word. Jesus lived a life in the word. Jesus found himself in the word. So as we continue... In the Word, as we're a disciple, because He's our standard, right? Let's see, let's see what happens when we continue in the Word and what it does to our, in our lives. Let's start in verse 14. He says, But continue thou in the things which you have learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom you learned them, and that from a child you had known the Holy Scriptures. Which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So as we, you look at Jesus and as you follow him, follow, right? If I walk as he walked and I follow him, he continued in the word. And here we see as we continue in the word and we keep the word, it said this word is going to do what is going to do correction. There's going to be there's going to be reproof. You see, in our culture, a lot of times because of, of wrong teaching on grace or wrong teaching on righteousness, there's this aspect of, of, well, anything that's that's making me feel corrected is not right. No, the word comes into your life to either bring reproof or correction. So that, what, you can be thoroughly furnished for every good work. What, what is is am a disciple. When I'm completely trained, what did Luke say? I'll become like my master. So here it says this word, inspiration is going to bring rebu- rebuke, reproof. And it says all scripture is given by God. So what? To bring changes to my life. To do what? To make me more like him. What's the, what's the second thing, another thing the, the Lord gave us to, to follow? How about the Holy Spirit? Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. So our standard told us to continue in the Word. Our standard gave us the Holy Spirit. Why did He give us, the, one of the reasons He gave us the Holy Spirit. Let's look at this, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I might have written the wrong reference down. Hold on. Oh, there it is. First uh, Peter chapter one, verse two, it says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God through the sanctification of the Spirit. You see, He gave us the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. He gave us the Holy Spirit to set us apart. From, from whatever, everything else is happening in, in, in the world. He sanctified. He set us apart. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. Thank you, Father. Our standard gave us the Holy Spirit. And part of the Holy Spirit was to set us apart. <clears throat> Galatians 5, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you cannot do the things you would." But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest. And he says what those are. Then he says, but the fruit of the spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust thereof. So here we see he gave us the Holy Spirit so that we wouldn't follow after our flesh. So we wouldn't walk after ourselves in this natural way of doing things. So realizing that, that, that this standard, he gave us the word to bring perfection to our lives. He gave us the Holy Spirit to perfect our lives and gave us the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. You think if you walked in the fruit of the Spirit, you'd be like Jesus? Hallelujah. And the last one, I, this, I could go and these are all probably a series in themselves. But, um, but let's look at the last one. Our standard comes, our, our standard, he set gifts in the body. Go to Ephesians 4. In other words, being, becoming like Jesus, walking as he walked. So, our standard told us to continue in the word. Our standard gave us the Holy Spirit so we could be set apart to be like him. In Ephesians 4, let's look at verse 9. And the Amplified says, But he ascended. Now, what can this he ascended mean but that he also previously de- descended from heaven? ...into the depths and the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the very same as he who also ascended high above all the heavens... ...that he, his presence, might fill all things. Verse 11. And his gifts varied, and he himself appointed and gave men to us... ...some to be apostles, special messengers, some prophets... ...inspired preachers and expounders, some evangelists, preachers of the gospels... ...traveling missionaries, some pastors, shepherds of the flock, and teachers... Now, get this, his intention was. Now, get this, he, our standard, he set gifts in the body. It says, his intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering towards building up Christ's body, the church. Verse 13, that it might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith and in the comprehension of the full and the accurate knowledge of the Son of God. Now get this, that we might arrive at really mature manhood, the completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection. The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and the completeness found in him. So then we may no longer be children tossed to and fro. You see, he, he set gifts in the body for the perfecting of the saints so that you and I would be like him, Vic. Wow. So, so how are we to, to walk and be like him? We, we look at our standard and we see we're changed by the word. We're changed by the Holy Spirit. And when we allow the gifts of the body, the place in their lives. those lives. Those things were meant for us so we could become more like Jesus. Be completely mature, fully mature in Him. But see, this only comes when we look at the standard. He's our standard. Don't look at you as the standard. He's the standard. But as, and so, so get your mind off trying to perfect you, but get your mind on the Word Get your mind on the Holy Spirit. And allow the gifts that God's placed in your life to bring perfection to your life. You receive this word tonight? Father, we thank you for the word and we just thank you that we grow by it, being perfected by it. And Father, I just thank you for revelation that we are righteous, that we are sons. And I thank you that we are just like Jesus. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that as we... Continue in the word. As we continue this walk with the Holy Spirit. And as we continue surrendering to the gifts that you placed around us, Father. I thank you that, that not only are we sons, but we live like sons. We walk like sons. We talk like sons. That more and more, not only are we sons, but we, we live out that sonship. We live out that righteousness. And I thank you that we will radiate and we will affect the world by it and through it. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him a shout of praise for the word tonight. Amen.